Welcome to a special 2018 North American Summit edition of What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, recorded at our podcast parlor in Boston, you'll hear Robert Teat from ServiceNow, as well as Matt Macko and Jeremy Adama from Stoke discuss health and wellness in the workplace. Welcome to an edition on workplace uh, trends and health and wellness in the workplace. Um, a couple of key topics here at uh, Cornet in Boston, uh, 2018. Uh, I have the pleasure of being uh, with a gentleman, uh, Robert Teed, who works with ServiceNow. He is the VP of Real Estate and Workplace there and will be uh, giving us a perspective from the occupier side. Um, as well as uh, Jeremy Adama, uh, who works at Stoke, a real estate uh, consulting uh, firm in the Bay Area, and uh, Jeremy works out of their Denver office. Uh, I myself am Matt Macko. I also uh, work with Stoke, and I'll be uh, facilitating and moderating the panel today. And um, we're going to start with Robert here. Um, we wanted to understand a little bit more about ServiceNow. You guys uh, had the distinct honor of being at the top of Forbes list of the best places to work, beating out the likes of Tesla and Amazon, and um, that's quite the accomplishment. Um, tell us a little bit about ServiceNow and and how um, how you got that that accomplishment. Yeah, great. So Matt, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And Jeremy, look forward to chatting with you as well. Uh, so you know, quite simply, at ServiceNow, um, you know, we our intent is to make the world of work work better for people. That's our purpose, and that's what we wake up every day doing. And we tend to think about uh, the work that we do probably similarly to the way that Tesla thinks about the driver experience mm. or the way that Netflix sort of thinks about the consumer experience. We're trying to take the experience that one has within the workplace and really make it more consumer-like. Uh, if you think of the way you interact with technology in your personal life and the way you interact with technology in, in your work life, it couldn't be more different. And so what we're trying to do is take that consumer-like experience and bring it into the workplace. Uh, again, very similar to some of our, uh, like, like Tesla and, and Netflix, the way they make it very easy to consume their products. So that's kind of our focus as well. Um, and we do that by taking things that are relatively complex, things like workflows, and making them quite simple. We have a platform approach that we use that, that folks can build applications on top of. And it's really all with the intent of making the work that we all do in the enterprise environment much easier, much simpler, and take the complexity out. Great, great. Um, you're specifically in the workplace area of the business, and uh, your company's grown incredibly uh, over the last you know several years since you guys, relatively newcomer, 10, 10 years you've been or so? Uh, yeah, we went public in 2012, and, uh, and we've seen about 30% growth year over year for a while now, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty cool actually to have that level of growth. So the obvious question is how are you keeping up with that on, on the workplace side? How are, you, how are you able to kind of keep up with that demand for space that I'm sure you have on a, both a national basis but a global basis yeah. as well? What's, um, so key to our business, it's very people centric. So everything we do is really headcount uh, driven. And so the real estate problems that we solve are really um, ones to sort of make the either the scale of the company happen so that we have physical places for folks, as well as making sure that as we scale, we have great experiences for folks. And, and that challenge really requires us to look at uh, sort of balancing scale with experience. 
because uh, you can get both of those right if they're separate. Getting them right together can be tricky. And so really thinking about physically scaling the company, we're doubling our portfolio, for example, over the next couple of years, and also getting that employee experience right. Things uh, that we'll talk about around design, et cetera, getting all those things yeah. right as we scale is really important and also a big challenge for us. I'm sure, I'm sure. How, what, there's a, you know, a number of trends out there in the marketplace these days. Uh, it seems like almost everything's changing in the real estate space underneath our feet all at the same time. What are you seeing and what seems to be the most important aspects of that for ServiceNow? So I think for us, the, the biggest shift I see is really designing around the individual and the, and the user and, uh, and really making that employee experience central to all we think about in design. For years and years and years, we thought about it as an aesthetic. We thought about it as an efficiency. You know, we thought about space differently. Now we're starting from the person and working outward. And, and that's a, I see that trend across many of the folks that I talk to in the industry. I'm sure you guys see something similar. It's really taking a more holistic view of the user and building out from there. And that changes the game a bunch when you think about design, when you think about how you operate, when you think about how you build. The, the, all of the equation just shifts a bit when you put the person at the center of what you're trying to solve for. Yeah, that was, that was a question I wanted to ask, actually. Human-centered design has become a uh, really hot topic. I, you know, I think kind of, um, I remember at least that IDEO kind of pioneered uh, some of those in some studies that were done years and years ago. Um, but it seems to be the, the center of, of everyone's kind of toolkit. Um, what does that mean specifically for ServiceNow and how are you guys utilizing it? Or is, is that involve um, a set of, of studies around what people want, surveys? How is that actually facilitated? Yeah, it, it, uh, it ends up being a little bit more design thinking and more what we do a fair amount of now is really visioning. So it used to be the case that, uh, and I would say in the ServiceNow environment, we thought of space as being very much a utility for a number of years. And right. we just sort of, you know, we sort of stamped it out as we went. And we didn't think much about the, uh, we certainly didn't think holistically about the employee experience. And we didn't think about how space was used. We sort of expected the users to adapt to the space. Fast forward to where we are today, and we're thinking about it very differently. And we're doing a lot more envisioning and understanding how people work and what they want to get out of the workplace, and then designing around that. And that des definitely means that, uh, you know, stamping out a space the same around the world isn't going to happen. It means that we need to take a little bit more uh, thoughtful approach to spaces in multiple venues and things like that within spaces. And not every group uh, across the company works exactly the same. So there is a little bit more um, difference that shows up in the portfolio, and that's okay. Because we're really trying to understand how the, the folks that are using the space are going to work. Um, and again, it's, for us, it's less about making the worker adapt to the space, trying to make the space adapt to the worker. Very different perspective than how we were thinking about things, you know, just a few years ago even. Um, speaking about workplace experience, uh, we've seen a recent article that came out uh, in uh, HBR, Harvard Business Review. Uh, it was a survey done by Future Workplace that talked about the number one office amenity beating out you know the likes of gyms and car sharing and whatnot uh, was natural light being close to a window and a view of outside are you seeing that show up in in your uh, demands for for workplace and your employees demanding that as a as a perk 
absolutely. So I, I just did a project where we, we have a relatively new CEO. He's been with us a year and a half, and he's brought in several new leaders. And so we went through a project to sort of re-envision the way they work and where they work. The number one request from, uh, I would say, half of that team was access to natural light. Wow. The way they were uh, working before, in, in fact, our CEO was on an interior office inside an interior office, so he had absolutely no natural light. And he's the type of person that gets a lot of energy from natural light, and, and so that was his number one request. There were two or three other people on his team, so as we worked our way through envisioning what their new workspace would look like, that was we had to make that central and, and core to everything we thought about. Uh, and, uh, and so the answer is yes, we are seeing that as a pretty important thing. Yeah, great. Well, I want to shift to Jeremy and, and get you integrated into the conversation here. Um, you know, Stoke, uh, we work with uh, tons of occupiers and, and, and a lot of clients. Um, and uh, I'm curious what uh, you and, and your role see from the design side and kind of where, um, you know, where occupiers are requesting, uh, you know, uh, results to be had in their, in their human center design experience. Are they, uh, what are they wanting to get out of it? And, uh, you know, where are those kind of focus areas for their design uh, in terms of the results they want to get? Sure. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, Matt. Excited to be here. Um, really, I'd like to, to point out just the, the, the change in the thinking. And uh, Robert, you said it well, where you're creating spaces for people as opposed to... Um, uh, as opposed to the opposite, right? And so that, that's been that paradigm shift in the way we look at buildings. We're really tailoring these spaces for people and creating high-performance buildings. And, and a, a report that recently came out um, that really focuses on this is the U.S. Mac, macroeconomic shift in how uh, S&P 500 companies are valued. 1975 companies were valued based off of their their tangible assets, their property, plants, and equipment, the old school way, the industrial economy. Now that's completely flipped. It's 80% of companies in the S&P 500 now based off of their intellectual capital or their people. And so designing spaces for, that, for the people is only going to enhance that value, enhance your brand, and, and ultimately enhance your top line revenue. And so um, that's where we're seeing, uh, that's where we're having a lot of conversations with a lot of corporate occupiers um, and, and an owner-occupied buildings and, and moving forward to high-performance design. Gotcha. And um, wh where's the best areas for financial benefit of, out, of, out of these designs? Obviously, it sounds like, you know, the economy has kind of shifted and, you know, we heard from Robert in terms of, you know, this office perk being, being natural light and and their you know, insatiable demand for, for space and whatnot. But where can uh, occupiers that are moving at that type of pace, where can they see really the most benefit for their bang for their buck in, in, in building space? Sure. Um, it's, I think what you're getting at is, is um, productivity, retention, and health and wellness. And that's what we really look at. Um, and putting tangible values to impacts that high-performance buildings can have uh, on, those, on those items. And, that, and that's just you know, a portion of what high-performance buildings can do. Like the, when you look at um, profit or revenue from high-performance buildings, there's, there's brand, there's, um, you know, there's, there's other components that go into it. But uh, what we've looked at and put tangible numbers to are productivity, retention, and health and wellness. And combine the, putting those together, we created a hypothetical example just to demonstrate our methodology for this. And 
Um, you know, over 10-year MPV, we're looking at $20 million in profit of just enhanced productivity, retention, and health and wellness, and putting those and putting them in a methodology for that. Um, where, where is that? How are those calculations done? And, and where is the what's the supporting research behind that to show sure. that there is productivity from high-performance buildings? Decades and decades of research. This is not a new concept, right? So we've we've looked, uh, we've we've compiled a lot of this research, um, and we uh, have these in our back pocket, and we just don't see them being implemented on projects enough. And so we're trying to be uh, more forward with that with our uh, consulting services and saying focus on your your occupant and demonstrating the methodology. So for example. If you're going to look at productivity, it's a pretty sim simple methodology. You have revenue, you have a number of employees, create a revenue per employee metric, uh, productivity enhancement. Uh, what the data is showing is an average of 10%. Um, and we use, uh, on projects that we've used, we go even lower than, be more conservative at three, one, half a percent of productivity because wow. those numbers really start climbing when you look at this at a revenue per employee metric. Apply your profit margin uh, to that and you've got profit year over year through enhanced uh, productivity um, for, for, uh, for high performance buildings and the owner and the occupants that, um, that occupy these buildings. So take us through a little bit more beyond the natural light component of productivity and whatnot. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about you know, high performance buildings and, and uh, you know, what, what high performance building entails or, or, or mm -hmm. you know, how it's done. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like the purpose may be productivity, but what, you know, what's involved to getting there? Sure. And we, we've defined and we've used the National Institute of Building Sciences uh, to definition of a high performance building, which is addresses the human, environmental, economic, and total societal impact. Um, and using the highest level of design, construction, operation, and maintenance principles, a paradigm change for the built environment. That's, that's the definition we've used. So it's, it's, not, it's a holistic uh, methodology um, to, to building. So you're not just focusing on occupants. You're still focusing on sustainability and environment. Um, but what we've, we've come to realize, and what I think the industry, industry is coming to realize, that the real business case is the people, because if you uh, you know, common uh, metric that gets thrown around is the 110, 100, 1,000 ratio. For every one dollar you spend on design, you spend ten dollars on construction, hundred dollars on operation, and thousand dollars on your employees throughout the life of a life of a building. And using those metrics, wow. the business case is in your employees. Yeah, fascinating. Um, at the same time, uh, we're talking about wellness and and you know, uh, human centric design and whatnot. Uh, it seems as though sustainability and, and the idea of kind of environmental sustainability and what that means has, has gone dark. Uh, do you see that being the case? No, not, not necessarily. Um, you know, LEED, I think you might be referring to, um, you know, the common sentiment right now is that LEED is a bit of the baseline. A lot of people don't really see that as a differentiation strategy for real estate portfolios anymore. But in, LEED has actually moved, there's still a sustainable, sustainable environmentally focused certification program, but they've actually made a pretty dramatic transition into focusing on health and, health and wellness uh, through, their environment, through their spaces. Um, but the well building standard has obviously stepped up and that's, that's a bit more of the differentiation strategy that a lot of these uh, corporate occupiers are using. Um, but I think 
sustainability and wellness, the, it's, it's, all, it's all baked together. Uh, I don't think you can look at them as two different uh, ideas. I think you, you look at it, as, again, as a holistic building strategy, and you're combining all of these to, to create pretty radical projects. Great. And, and last question, um, what's the best way to, to if, if companies want to focus on this, if they're new to this, what's the best way that they can, they can get in and, and, and learn how to design you know, real estate to be healthy and sustainable and, and focus on, as Robert suggested, the, you know, the employee experience? Mm -hmm. it's, it's using the data. Um, that, like I said earlier, there's decades and decades of data, and we've, we've uh, invested a lot of time at Stoke in um, compiling this data and, and, and uh, putting, those, putting this data to practice with our, with our clients. And so um, assembling a team that, that understands how to utilize this data and design to, to um, get the benefits from this data. And so designing high-performance buildings um, that are both smart, uh, environmentally conscious, and really focused on the health and wellness of occupants. Great, great. Any, uh, any closing comments, Robert? Well, I think actually the, the word that Jeremy used a lot in, in the way you were talking about it was holistic. And I think what I love about where we're going is that we are taking a holistic view of our workplace and, and truly holistic in that, in that definitional sense. And whether it's design or the way we use spaces or sustainability being inherent and wellness being inherent, we are, all of us sure. are now starting to, to really look at things holistically. And I think that is a big difference where I think before we were looking at things very segmented or in silos. And yep. so I'm excited about where we go when we start to really think about things from a, from a true holistic perspective. Yeah, great. Well, um, thank you both for, for joining and uh, thank you to our listeners. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit CornetGlobal.org to learn more.